Well, I just want to take just a few minutes and just brag on the church and on you, actually, today. Uh, thank you for your giving uh, through Impact Ministries. We delivered 312 backpacks and all the school supplies to all the, all the students at Span Elementary on the east side. So... What a cool deal for a church to be engaged in the community and realize it's not all about us. It's not what happens inside of these four walls. But the church is a church when the church is focused on the community, regardless if they can do anything for us or not, regardless if they ever attend our church or not. I mean, we have story after story of parents when they showed up. They didn't expect to get the school supplies. Many of them didn't know how they were going to afford school supplies for their students. And, and for them to be handed a backpack from Fellowship of the Rockies, 24 different colors and uh, so some could choose and some swapped and you know all the stuff that goes on with that and so it's just a great deal so thank you so much for your focus in the community and your focus outside of these four walls that it's not all about us uh, but it's focused on a community one last thing you may be wondering I've had a lot of questions what are the new TV screens doing out we got one 42 inch hung in the foyer and two in the banquet room and then we have them scattered out other places as well well we just realized the Cowboys are playing a lot of early games this next season. <laughs> and so I know you do not want to miss. So in between services, we'll have the Cowboy game everywhere. How's that? So, so what they're really here for is, is, is just to help us better utilize the building, really. Uh, we're growing. Uh, we've had people in this service that couldn't find seats. We brought in chairs one Sunday. We had so many people here. Uh, we couldn't bring in enough chairs, and so people stood through the whole thing in the back. And so what we're looking at doing is maybe doing some overflow for some of those Sundays or some of those things instead of going to four services so quickly. So that's why they're here. Uh, it probably won't be until September until they're hooked up and we're video screaming, screening this service into uh, other places of the building. It also gives parents a place that if their children need extra care and become a distraction, then they can take them to another room here and still see the whole service and be a part of that. So that's what they're there for. Well, I'm glad you're here. This is the last sermon in the series, Sermon on the Mount, that Jesus had preached. And I told you when we entered this series and this, looked at these sermons that, boy, some of it's going to be pretty uh, tough. And uh, when you look at how Jesus ends this sermon, ends this series, and it's so important for you and I to understand this, the context is important. Jesus is talking to believers. Jesus is talking to the church. I mean, this isn't a bunch of non-Christians that he gathered up on the Sea of Galilee and says, hey, let me preach to you and all of that stuff. No, this is a bunch of people that already made a commitment to follow him uh, at whatever level they had made that commitment. So their context is much like our context this morning, if you will. So the context is the same, and you realize that Jesus has some pretty strong words and strong things to say. And so here's the deal. Generally speaking, many of us have difficulty with the truth. I mean, just generally speaking, many of us have great difficulty with the truth. Augustine said this. Augustine said, if the truth informs, we like it. If the truth judges, we hate it. In other words, the thing about truth is, if, if the truth informs, if the truth educates, if the truth affirms how we're already doing, how we're already living, what's going on in our life, we love it. We're all over that. fact is, many people enjoy coming to the church to, to, where the church just tells them, whatever you're doing is, is right and it's good with God, because the truth informs, we like it. But when the truth judges, we have to change something, 
Boy, we hate it. I mean, we like the truth, right, when we go see a doctor? I mean, we, 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 want, a, we want a doctor to tell us the truth if we need surgery, if we need medication, if we need whatever. We want a doctor. Fact is, we don't even want it. We insist it. We, we almost demand the truth. We want the truth out of our children, right? When we ask our children, did you or did you not? We expect the truth. We want the truth. We demand the truth. When we fly on an airplane, when we board the airplane, when they tell us the plane is safe and the pilots are sober, <laughs> we want the truth, right? I mean, we demand the truth. In business, in business we demand the truth. We insist on the truth. We want to know that when we're cutting a deal, when we're making that deal, that their yes is yes and their no is no. They're people of integrity. And they'll honor their side of the contract. They'll honor their side of the deal. That it's a level playing field. We want the truth in relationships. We want the truth from a mate. We want the truth from friends. We want the truth from pastors. We want the truth from a president. We want the truth from politicians. I mean, we don't even want, we don't not even want the truth. We demand the truth. We expect the truth. And there are some that say, well, this religion stuff, that's based on faith, not fact. You know, that's true of every religion in the world except for Christianity. Every religion in the world except for Christianity is only based upon faith. The Apostle Paul said in Corinthians, he said this, he said that if it wasn't for the historical resurrection, the fact that Jesus Christ resurrected, rose on the third day, if it wasn't for that, then our faith, our religion, what we would believe would be worthless, would be in vain. Every religion in the world except for Christianity is based upon faith and not fact. Now, morals is an area where we really don't want the truth. When you get into this areas, areas of morals and religion, then that's where we really don't want the truth. I mean, we live in a world that where, where there's no longer absolute truth, and what's right for you could be right for you, but it may not be right for me, and what's right for you may be wrong for me, and what's wrong for me. And to where we've developed gray areas, and now we live in a society where everything is gray. There's just no absolutes. And truth-telling is telling it like it is regardless. And Jesus comes down to the Sermon on the Mount and he comes down to the last point. He's going to begin telling them the truth and it's just so important for you and I to understand who he was talking to. He was talking to those who had chose to follow him. Matthew chapter 17, verse 13. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, it's going to come up on the, on the screen here. And here's what the scripture says. Jesus is speaking. He says, enter through the narrow gate. This is after he's preaching. He's winding it down. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. And when he speaks of destruction, he's speaking of hell. And I know that's not very popular today to talk about. But that's what he's talking about. He's talking about hell. He's talking about destruction. He says, he says that the road that leads to destruction and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. Only... Few find it. See, Jesus is, is talking and he begins and he illustrates later about the foolish person and the wise person. And Jesus is saying, you know what? The foolish person, the foolish person believes there's no boundaries in life. The foolish person believes there's no absolutes, there's no right and wrong, and there's no boundaries in life. You just kind of decide for yourself how you want to live and just call it good. And Jesus is, I know it's hard, but Jesus is telling them, Guys, I just need to tell you, not everyone's going to heaven. 
The fact is, I just need to tell you, a few will go. The majority of the world, more, are going to end up in destruction instead of heaven. See, the world thinks that freedom should be our goal. The world thinks that it shouldn't really matter how you live. You just decide right and wrong. But can you imagine a God that didn't give us a path to follow? Can you, give, can you believe a God that created their universe, created you, and created me without any boundaries? Realize it's boundaries that bring safety. It's boundaries that believe, bring security. We believe that in parenting. We believe that with, with raising children. In fact, is psychologists did this. They took a school and they, they took the school and they did a study of elementary age kids. And they took the fences out of the playground. And what they found was the kids didn't feel more freedom, they felt less. And they would huddle up in the center of the playground and they wouldn't play on the slides and the swings and anything like that. And when they put the fences back in, that's when the children had great freedom. Because they felt safe and they felt secure and they began playing on the swings and the other things. It's boundaries in life. It's a path that gives safety. Fact is, Paul was talking about this in 1 Corinthians 9 when he said, he says, run the race that has been laid out for you in order to win the prize. In other words, God lays out the race for us. An athlete, when an athlete competes, they don't determine the route of the race. They follow the race that has been laid out for them. And Paul was talking about this issue of falling in life. Proverbs says this. It's probably one of the most sobering verses in all of Proverbs. There is a way that seems right to every man. But in the end, it leads to destruction. I mean, there's a, there's a way that seems right that makes sense to every man. And that's what Jesus is talking about, about the path. And he's asking the question, what path are you on? What path have you chosen in life? Do you know where it's going to end up? Do you know where you're headed in life? Because Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to every man. You ever made choices in life and you realized it, may, it was a good idea at the time? But it didn't pan out. See, Satan and the world want you and I to believe that everybody goes to heaven. And Jesus says just the opposite. And that's why Jesus says the road is wide and the road is broad, but it leads to destruction. And for the narrow road, it leads to life. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this, Trust the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. That's a Hebrew way. He will make your path straight of bring blessing into your life. That if you, if you run the race and you, you walk the, the narrow road, that Jesus makes a promise, God makes a promise to each one of us, that I will straighten out that road. It doesn't mean everything will be perfect. But it means that there'll be security, that there'll be blessing. There'll be peace on the road. And Jesus again said it's the narrow path. John 14, 6, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody. Nobody comes to the Father except for me. And I know that's narrow. 
I know it's exclusive, but it's accurate. In other words, Jesus is saying the wise person chooses the narrow road even if it's narrow. The wise person chooses a narrow road even when the majority aren't on that road. And Christ began to pursue these followers to choose the narrow path. Choose the path that goes against the grain of society. Choose the path that leads to life and not to destruction. And I... It's not only a one-time decision that we make to follow Christ. It, it, Jesus says it's a daily decision. It's not a matter of just praying a prayer, and it's not a matter of just signing a card. It's more than that. Belief and behavior. Your behavior will tell you what you really believe about something. You can tell people all you want what you believe in, but if your behavior contradicts that, they'll never believe you. And it's belief and behavior. It's committing to him daily. A lot like marriage, right? I mean, in marriage, when you go stand in the altar, on the altar in front of a pastor and a best man and a maid of honor, you don't make that commitment just that day. You make that commitment every day of your life. And Jesus is saying this, to follow me, Deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. It's a decision that we make daily. Jesus is not only concerned about what path you own, he's concerned about who you're following. Now, Paul said this, Paul says, I follow, follow me as I follow Christ. And so he goes on in verse 15, he says, Watch out for the false prophets, they come to you in sheep's clothing. Inwardly they are ferocious wolves, but, their fruit will, uh, but by their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from the bushes or figs from, from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Talking about destruction again. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. In other words, by their behavior. It's belief and behavior. And Christ gives a warning. He said, let me tell you something. Be careful who you're following. Because false prophets can be dangerous. False prophets can be deceptive. False prophets can look like the real deal, the real thing. I mean, Paul talked about it in, in the New Testament. and You know, preachers and teachers of our day can be false teachers, false prophets. And Jesus says, be careful who you're following. A prophet not only described a period in time... A prophet was a person that heard directly from God and then went to the people and said, Thus saith the Lord. It could be about the past. It could be about the present. It could be about the future, what's going to happen to a people group, what's going to happen to a country. But a prophet was a person that got revelation from God, got a word from God, heard from God, and then told it to the people. That's a prophet. False prophet is this. A person that says, God said and he didn't. False prophet is this, that pulls out the God card to manipulate, to control, to justify actions that are against Scripture. And we need to be very, very careful when we speak on behalf of God 
They really said it. I believe this so strongly, you should look up everything I tell you in Scripture and make sure it's there. Because what he's saying is a false prophet can be dangerous and you need to know. See, in Jesus' day, they understood when he, when he gave this analogy of the figs and, and, and the thorn bushes and the buckthorn bush was a, was, was a bush that uh, was a bush that, that had these black berries on it. And from a distance, the black berries would look like grapes. Fact is, some people would even take those blackberries and pick them and realize later when they're making wine that it's not grapes. And then he went into figs and thistles and said, these thistles, these bushes, have a bloom, have a blossom that looks exactly like a fig. But nobody would serve them for dinner. That there's a difference. And what he's saying is, he said, listen, false prophets will sooner or later be exposed. I mean, your sins will find you out. And what Jesus is saying, and Jesus is helping them about, yeah, I'm about ready to leave. Be very, very careful who you follow. Be very, very careful that when they say, this is what God says, thus saith the Lord, that you know that it is from Him. Because a prophet, false prophet, can't hide forever. I love the story about in a small town about a, a pastor, and he was pastoring a church in, in a small town, and there's this man that had passed away. This man was, was, everyone knew him in the community. He was just a bad guy. He was a horrible guy. He was a womanizer. He was a thief. He was a crook. He was an embezzler. Uh, he, everyone disliked him. He was well known in the community. He dies. So his brother comes to the pastor and tells the pastor, I want you to do his funeral. And he goes, oh, okay. And he says, and I want you to say something in the funeral. I want you to say that this man is a saint. That's my dream. That was his dream. He, it, and so the pastor had this, moral issue on his head. So the, and so he looked at him and he says, I don't know. And so the, the man said, well, listen, I'm a very wealthy man. You, if you'll do his funeral, if you'll say he's a saint, I'll write a check right now, $100,000 to the building campaign. Pastor said, done. So the day of the funeral, everyone's there. And so the pastor gets up and, and he says, he says, you know what? This man in the casket, he's a thief. He's a crook. He's an embezzler. He's mean, he's arrogant, he's never been to church in a day in his life, and he's made most of you miserable in his life. But compared to his brother, this man's a saint. <laughs> be very careful. And Jesus said, be very careful who you follow. Be very careful who you follow in life, that they don't have ulterior motives, that they're truly following him. That's why Galatians says, by the fruit of the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Against such thing there is no law. In other words, what Jesus is saying, what Paul is saying in Galatians is this. That's the fruit of a true prophet. That's the fruit of someone that truly walks with, with God. And you know what? If, it's not just preachers and teachers that can be false prophets. We can be false prophets. We can be so concerned about trying to help someone be happy that we don't push them to holiness. Right? We can be so engaged in, in wanting just to make them happy and tell them it's all going to turn out right instead of talking the truth to them and telling them what we really feel. Advertisers can be false prophets. 
What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Man, we know that's not true. Consequences follow you home. Consequences follow you out of Vegas. See, there's consequences to behavior. And Jesus is trying to get this group of believers, this group of followers to understand it's belief and behavior, not perfection. But it's belief and behavior. Behavior that keeps you on the, that keeps you on the narrow road. The reason that Christianity is attacked and maligned and will continue to be, because we don't say Jesus is a way. We don't say Jesus is the best choice. We say Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. And that's why Thessalonians write and says, test everything, hold on to the good and avoid every kind of evil. Listen, society would tell you, you can be right in your Buddhist beliefs. You can be right in your Hindu beliefs. You can be right in your Muslim beliefs. You could be right, you fill in the blanks. And Jesus says, well, wait a minute. It is so exclusive. It is so exclusive. I am the way. Not a way. Not the best way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ is telling this group of believers, just live a consistent life. Belief, behavior. And then he comes to verse 21. And he says these words. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what he's saying? Some of you are expecting to be in heaven and you're not. It's just huge. Can you imagine what they were like? He says, Lord, Lord. Everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven belief, behavior. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Now he's talking about leaders and, and in your name drive out demons and perform many miracles. Then I will tell them plainly. I never knew you. That word know is intimacy. It's a relationship husband and wife have together. He said, I never knew you intimately. You didn't have a relationship with me. Away from me, you evil doers. And Jesus is condemning more than false teaching. Jesus is condemning false motives, false actions. John Stott, in his book, Basic Christianity, writes this about Christianity. He says, so is basic Christianity the belief that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came to, to be the Savior of the world? No, not even that. To accept that he's divine, to acknowledge our need for salvation, and then to believe in the effectiveness of what he did for us is still not enough. Christianity is just not what we believe. It is also about how we behave. Our intellectual belief may be beyond criticism, but we have to put our beliefs into practice. What must we do? We must commit ourselves, heart and mind and soul and will, home and life personally to Jesus Christ. 
We must humble ourselves before Him. We trust in Him as Savior and submit to Him as Lord. And then go and take our place in a loyal community of a church, as church members, responsible citizens to a community. And Jesus is not only asking, what road are you on? Who are you following? You know what He's asking also? What foundation are you building your life on? What's your foundation? He goes on, verse 24, and says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. Did you understand that? A wise man that hears these words and puts them into practice. Belief, behavior. Who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and here he goes, and do not put them into practice. Is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Same disaster, same crisis. What's the rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. Same storm, same crisis in life. The difference was the foundation. See, in their time, they would many times build houses in, in, in the dry creek and the dry riverbeds there in Israel. The wise person would look far down the road and say the day is going to come when a storm and the rains and the winds and everything, so we need to build ours where the foundation, there's rock, it's more, is, is stronger. The foolish person would only care about today and say, I'll build that house there without any regard for what's going to happen in the future. And Jesus is saying this, the foolish person only cares about today. Foolish person. In fact, is George Gallup just recently did a poll. 42% of Americans now, know, now do not think about the afterlife. They no longer have any regard for it. And Jesus is saying the foolish person, they're only in for the temporary. They're only in for today. They're just... Well, they're just living for today. And as a result, they have no peace. And so, let me ask you, what is your foundation on of life? Huge question. Is it a career? You built your foundation on a career? Do you realize I can take you right now, handful, couple of dozen of people, they would sit down with you and look you in the eyes and say, you know what? I built my life on a career. That career is now gone. I lost everything. Don't do the same thing I did. You building your life on a financial portfolio. If you're, is, is your self-worth tied to your net worth? Because again, I can take you to a bunch of people. Say, you know what? I did that. And with the downturn in the economy and the downturn in the stock market and everything else that's taken place, don't do the same thing I did. You building your life on family. That may be the more nobler of the others. But do you realize your family can hurt you? You realize some of your greatest hurts can come from your family? 
You realize your family can abandon you, can walk away from you, not support you, not be with you. See, Jesus was saying, plan for eternity. That's the whole focus of the Sermon on the Mount. And his challenge was that if you're serious about following me, choose the narrow path. That's why James 1.22 says this, says, do not merely listen to the word so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Robert Pike said this, learning has not taken place until behavior has changed. I was thinking about that phrase that Jesus talked about the wide road and the narrow road. And he said narrow is the, is the path that leads to eternal life. Broad, wide is the road that leads to destruction. As I thought about that, I started thinking about that. And it's an interesting contrast. And, and here's the contrast. The wide road, the broad road, starts out very, very wide and gets very, very narrow. That's what Jesus is saying to destruction. You don't believe me? Ask Bernie Madoff. Wide was the road. More money than anybody else had amassed in years. Homes all over the world. Yachts, planes, cars, boats. All the toys. Wide was the road. Make any decision he wanted to make. And the longer you're on the wide road and say there's no boundaries, there's no rules, I can do whatever I want. For him, an 8 by 10 jail cell gets to go out an hour a day. You don't believe that it starts out wide and ends up narrow? Ask John Edwards. Bright political career. Some thought he would be a president. An affair and everything else that's going on with it. You don't think the road starts out wide and comes narrow? Ask John Edwards. How about Coach Rick Patino? And all that he's going through. One of the up-and-coming coaches, great coach. And I'll show you where our society has, got, has come to. You know what everybody's worried with, with Coach Rick Patino? How's that going to hurt recruiting? What's that going to do to the college? Everybody ignores the family, the wife, and the same with John Edwards. You don't believe that the road starts out wide and gets narrow? Ask anybody that started out on it and ask them, how's it working for you? And you will find that it closes slowly in. There's no peace. There's no, there's no comfort. There's no safety. But the narrow road, what Jesus is saying, the narrow road starts out narrow, and the longer you're on it, it becomes wide. That's just what he said. That the narrow road may start out narrow, but the longer you're on it, there is peace, there is safety, there is comfort. 
There is something in your life that people, the world cannot take away. You can lose a career, you still have him. You can lose a financial portfolio, you still have him. You can use a lose a family. But you still have him with peace and security because of the, the boundaries. Talk to anyone. Talk to the person that's traveling on the broad, wide road. Talk to the person that's on the narrow road. And Jesus' question to us, what road are you on? What road are you on? You on the wide road? Or are you on the narrow road? Maybe this morning, maybe you've never come to the point to be a Christian. It's not in rituals, it's not in beliefs. It's part of it, yeah. But behavior is what validates your beliefs. Maybe never, you've never come to the point you realize, man, I'm on the white road. And it's not going to end up well for me in this life and the life to come. Would you ask Him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins? Give you the gift of eternal life and then to the very best of your ability to start walking with Him? Maybe this morning you're a believer. And you realize, you know what? I've strayed. And would you come back to Him? Deny yourself. Take up your cross. And watch the road widen for you. And not entrap you and enclose you and consume you and suffocate you and destroy you.